podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. To a Celtic state of mind, it's a full house. It's a Tuesday afternoon. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined by bottom right Swindon CSC, or is it Swindon Shamrock? Brian Swindon Degnan, Swindon Shamrock. On the bottom left, we've got James Jota McKenzie. Um, you're not a resident in Edinburgh, but you are studying there. And on top right, we have the one, the only Liam Carrigan. You're going to fill us in all about the Japanese tour. But before we do any of that, tell us about that jersey. That's a cracker. Right, well, in light of uh, the weekend's events, I want to show you a bit of solidarity with the Celtic women and the fantastic performance they put in on Sunday. Mm. Um, and uh, this is actually the, the, the new shirt for the Japan women's team for the, uh, the upcoming World Cup in August. Um, so nice. it's a sky blue and uh, cherry blossom pink themed top. And uh, aye. I'm just looking at doing them in men's sizes, so no, no, it's no hoops. It's like if I hide my man boobs here, you can see it kind of, it kind of <laughs> goes into like a like a, a cherry tree thing. It's maybe nice. like the sky and the cherry trees. So very nice indeed. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we will be talking about uh, that particular result, the aftermath of it as well, everything else that's uh, coming up in the world of Celtic. But there's been quite a lot of chat yesterday, and by the way, we do read all the comments on the YouTube channel, good, bad and indifferent. Thank you everybody for getting involved in that. Um, I'm talking after the, the live show and um, there was a few comments coming in saying that we we go too easy on Joe Hart. So I'm going to start off with Joe Hart um, today and obviously the main tagline, get your thoughts in, which Scottish Cup final jerseys are still up for grabs? We started talking about that yesterday in relation to the centre-half position. Um, are there any others? I'm going to come to yourself first, Liam. Uh, did you used to play in goals? You've said that before, didn't you? I once had a trial with Queen's Park <laughs> as a goalkeeper. So I, go. yeah. Um, Bonafide yeah. goalkeeper um, expert. You're the specialist. Now, listen, before we go into a discussion about Joe Hart, first thing I would say is Joe Hart will play in the cup final. Joe Hart has been an exceptional signing for Ange Postacoglu, and I've called him previously pound for pound his best signing. Hatati might push him uh, in relation to that. However, in the last few weeks, Liam, I think he's been pretty poor. I've got to say, I thought against Rangers, he didn't command his area. I think he was at fault for at least one of the goals. Uh, when you watch back Curtis Main's opener against St Mirren, yeah, there was a, a mishap between Awata and Ralston. But Joe Hart needs to do better. And not just that isolated incident. I'm talking about, you know, actually commanding that area. Um, enough of the punches and the parrying into the danger zone. And just being a far bigger uh, leader than he has been in the last couple of weeks. I don't think it's been an issue all season, just in the last few weeks that it's started to creep in and become a concern. What I would say to that is though um, if he was if he had the same dip in form and he was playing in any other position in the team, would we be having this conversation? Exactly. Probably not because it's the end of the season, the league's already won and ultimately none of these games actually matter. Um... He has been an excellent goalkeeper for us when it's mattered. 
Um, you could say he's been poor the last couple of games. He has. You know, I'm, I'm one of Joe Hart's biggest fans, but I'm not going to lie. He has been poor the last couple of games. But so has pretty much the rest of the team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think Rayo Hatati has turned in a single good performance since he came back for his injury. Um, now, coming back off the back of injuries, maybe a bit sluggish, that's fine. And ultimately, the only game he's played in that's really mattered was the game at Timecastle. Um, but, you know, I don't think... By all means, criticise Joe Hart when he has a poor performance. But if you're going to criticise, I would say be consistent. Because the entire team deserve the same rocket up them that Joe Hart seems to be getting at the moment. Mm. And and he has been getting that. We've done a a show and also a, a follow up blog in relation to the goalkeeper situation, James. Uh, where I I'm of the view that we've got far too many goalkeepers, especially when you look at the amount of appearances um, that they're they're making or not, as the case may be. Um, all but two appearances this season and goals has have been made by Joe Hart. The other two, of course, was the League Cup performances by. Benjamin Segrist. Um, so where are we with the goalies? We've just given Scott Bain a new deal. James, Joe Hart still is the number one. My view on this is you bring in another goalie, you get rid of the rest other than Toby, who you probably loan out for a season. Um, and whoever you bring in, you want them to be at that kind of level where they're challenging Joe Hart. I've spoken about a, a potential complacency. He's not been challenged this season. We brought in Segrist and he's not actually challenged them for the gloves, has he? Yeah, we've not really seen much of Segrist, I think. An injury could perhaps attribute to that. I think Seagrist has been injured quite a bit throughout this season, but the renewal of Scott Bain, I think, says a lot for Toby Oduwayemi and where he's seen at Celtic. He was once very highly rated, and we've spoke about the reason for keeping Scott Bain. Perhaps it could be to fit the homegrown core. Toby Oduwayemi could fit that homegrown protocol. Mm-hmm. If he's rated behind Scott Bain by those in the Celtic higher-ups, then you've got to think what that really says for Toby Oduwayemi. But just, I want to touch on Joe Hart. In the last sort of two games, he's been pretty poor. The first goal against St Mary's got to really do better for that. But I think with errors with Joe Hart, you could really call back to the European campaign at the start of the season. There was quite a few calamitous errors that really cost Celtic in games where we looked competitive. Mm-hmm. We looked like we could go toe-to-toe with these bigger teams. And There's been a, a case with Celtic for years where we've not really had a goalkeeper bar Fraser Foster that could really stand up in these European games. And I've said countless times in the podcast, even since January, when you're looking ahead to the European campaign next season, you've got to be brutally honest with the assessment of the squad. And if you're going to be brutally honest about how you want Celtic to improve, and if is going to make these strides in Europe, I think goalkeeper's got to be a position that you're looking at to improve. It's a hard market to buy for, to find mm-hmm. a top quality goalkeeper. Joe Hart was a steal initially when Ange plucked them from that Spurs team. But you've got to, you've got to really focus and think goalkeeping is perhaps a position you can improve going into the next season. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that is the discussion, and that's where I think a lot of people uh, have been disagreeing or um, you know saying that we've either been too harsh or not harsh enough. I don't want to be harsh on anybody, Brian, to be honest with you. I think, as I say, I think Joe Hart's been a great signing for us uh, on and off the park, but it is a position that I think we're top-heavy when it comes to goalies. That will obviously be resolved over the, the summer months. I'm pretty sure every other goalie, barring um, Toby, will still be uh, on their way out of the club. Uh, and by the way, we've got another. We've got a seventh goalie um, and the, the hero, Clark, who was saving penalties for fun in the Youth Cup final as well. So the Glasgow Cup final, rather. So I think that it is a position worth talking about. Where are we um, in terms of yourself when it comes to Joe Hart 
Uh, do we have another season with him as number one? Or is it Casey bringing somebody in to actually challenge him? So the past, <clears throat> I pick up on different points. So the past couple of games aside, I've been saying for a while, I think we need an upgrade. And purely because the saves Joe Hart makes, you can't expect him to make. Where I think he needs to improve is the way, how comfortable he is with the ball at his feet. That's a wee bit of concern for me, especially in Europe. Um, so I th- I've been thinking most of the season, we'll probably need to replace him at the end. What Hart brung initially, which made him so impressive, it wasn't the fact that it was, it wasn't his sheer goalkeeping ability, it was the fact that he was so confident, he was organising that back four, mm-hmm. there was a real stability to that. And you could see him calling it, he was vocal, he was commanding. And there was these kind of unquantifiable things that made him such a good signing. He was also good for the, the death room as well, good leadership. And I think his different performances came lately because of a lack of confidence. I think you see his confidence rocked a little bit. I think without Carter Vickers in front of him, I think that's made the defence weaker. So I think if you get a goalkeeper whose confidence is going, a defence who's a bit weaker, I think that's a perfect storm and I think that's why. So I don't think it's just been Joe Hart. I don't think it's just been in defence. I think it's been a, a mixture um, of the whole team um, from front to back. Uh, and to, it's interesting, James was talking about Europe and mm-hmm. Liam was talking about criticism because I thought Joe Hart could rightly criticised for some of the performances in Europe, but I thought Kyogo got away with the prize because Kyogo never scored in Europe and he had a lot of chances. Now, I love Kyogo, so does everybody. He's player of the year for almost everyone with the eyes. But if they're not playing well or they're making a mistake, you have to call it out because you can't go, oh, well, let that player away with it and criticise them. And that's to Talim's point. So I think some of the criticism, I don't know if it's necessarily unfair in terms of who's pointed at. I think it's unfairly distributed because mm. I think there's a lot of people, especially in the past few games, and I include Callum McGregor in that. I'd say that, that first half against St Mirren, I thought he was rotten. I thought he was misplacing passing right, left and centre. His positioning was poor. Uh, Ralston, who, you know, we've sort of been championing for a long time. I thought he, Iwata was getting criticised, but I thought he was at fault for the first goal. Because when Iwata is out, he should be covering in the space behind. But instead he covers in front, and then there's two of them in no man's land. So I think there's a lot of criticism could be could be dished around. But in terms of Joe Hart, I've been saying all season, or for most of the season, we will need to improve that area. It's not really to do with the recent forms. And then just finally, your point on uh, Toby Oluwaiemi. He's not had a, I don't think he's played for Cork. He's been at Cork all season. I think he's played twice. Mm-hmm. So if he's not good enough to play for Cork, without disrespect to League Island, he's not good enough to play for Celtic and be back up. That's just a hard fact. And the reality is, if these guys are on loan and they're not, they're not tearing it up, they're no first choices at these clubs, why on earth should we consider him first choice at Celtic? So I think Scott Bain's in there because he's, he's kind of a safe pair of hands if you need him. I think he seems quite content to be sort of third place keeper. He's obviously popular in the squad. So I think he stays. Seagrist, he'll probably go. I think we'll get a new keeper in. And I think Willow Yemi will also go. Uh, at least for another loan. Willow Yemi, I was just looking at it on uh, James's first point in relation to the quota and the fact that he actually came to Celtic from Spurs in 2019 would indeed, James, uh, mean that he has been there long enough in terms of the development of that player. It has to be a three-year development, I think, the period. So, yeah, he's been there four years, so he would certainly fit the quota. Um, 
with regards to his performances, though, he's been out injured. So he's, he's had a bad groin injury. So after the first two games against Bohemians and Derry City, in which he conceded a soft goal that was mentioned time and time again, he has had a, a bad injury. So I think of the goalies, he's the one who is going to get a chance. Um, and he did have a, a really bad, and I think it done the uh, the rounds on the social media channels as these things do make a wee mistake, like yesterday when I was saying um, knockout, but I, I, I missed out the end and knock, and the headline and the thumbnail said something completely different. I was asking Ange to deliver a, a cock out instead of a knockout, and <laughs> I know we call him Big Ange, but I didn't really want to go there, and it took all of about three seconds for people to notice that and start ripping me to pieces, because that's what happens online. Um, so, yeah, the goalkeeper situation. But it is one, I think it's been key to the success over the last two years. Joe Hart, I think, has been massive, a massive part of that, the leader that we so needed at that point. You think back to the season prior to Ange coming in, a massive problem was the goalie, wasn't it? I mean, it was difficult to even say who was your number one. You had three goalies all playing games throughout that season, one of whom got a, a bit of a bumper deal for one performance in a cup, uh, Connor Hazard, and I'm, I'm guessing he'll be out the building as well. But let's pick up on the McGregor, uh, the McGregor comment that Brian made. But before we do that, we'll have a, a look at some of the comments coming in. Joe Hamilton, good afternoon, Paddy Boy, and all the other boys and girls here to get their daily Axon fix. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. You can also get your Axon fix on the blog, which is uh, regularly being updated at axon.net. As well, Paul McLean, no reason Inverness should worry about that Celtic backline. Forwards haven't been great lately either. I see a struggle. Right, let's talk about that then, because I've seen a lot of that as well, Liam. I mean, know mm. that people are saying Inverness is our boogie team. Well, they have been known in Cups. Three that I can think of where they've come up with a result against Celtic. Um, I don't see them being a bogey team. I just see them being a side that we've got to uh, deal with with the utmost respect, and I'm sure Ange will, we're going to have too much for them unless every circumstance goes against us, and I don't expect that to happen. Um, but in terms of the defence, let's not forget, we still have the best defence in Scotland over the last two seasons. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing you've got, to, you've got to keep on, keep in the back of your mind is like, yeah, recent performances have not been great, but, you know, as Ange said, it's what happens over the course of a season. And, uh, if you said to us that, you know, even if we had to play our second string defence in a game against Inverness, I would still fancy us to win it. Now, that is no disrespect to Inverness. They are in that final and they're there on merit. And I do think it will be a tense game. You know, it's, I don't think it's going to be a five or six nothing to Celtic. I think it will be more like a maybe a, a two or two or three, um, you know, two or three one maybe. Mm -hmm. I think we will win. We'll win fairly comfortably. But it's not going to be the cakewalk that you, some would maybe expect when you play a team from a lower league. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what league you're in, you're not a Diddy team if you get to a cup final. No, you're right. And and by the way, with regard, re regards to the cakewalk, um, I think what happens is, in a situation like that, is they will approach it very much like Stephen Robinson has approached every game this season against Celtic. Um, and they will be looking at that as a blueprint. I, I think Big Yogi came out and said that earlier on today, that will be the, the blueprint for Inverness to follow. Yogi himself has been there and has won the cup with Inverness. Um, with regards to the, the comments on McGregor then, James, I'll come to you on that. Um, 
again, he's a he's a player that's so consistent. Celtic uh, released his stats yesterday. The, the, the consistency is unbelievable. He's heading towards uh, an appearance tally at Celtic. If he keeps going the way he's going, we, we spoke about this. We looked at his average appearances over the last eight, nine seasons where he's been a regular. If he was to continue that up to the age of Scott Brown, and you hope that he would, 35, 36, he would end up being... Celtic's record appearance holder. You know that's the the trajectory that he is he is on. There's been comments made this week from Neil Lennon that suggest that if he continues the way he's going, he's going to end up with more honours than any other ex-Celtic player. The the current record being held by Bobby Lennox, of course, and I think uh, McGregor will be hitting twenty if he win the, the Scottish Cup. And then, of course, Lennon went a stage further and said he's captain. Uh, he's not only captain material; he's manager material. So he's getting loads of plaudits. But he has been off it. I totally agree with Brian. That that first half against St Mirren, I said at halftime to Peter, if you're taking a midfielder off on performance alone, McGregor was the worst midfielder on the park, by the way. Um, and I don't think Atati had a great game either. But when the chips are down, he'll pull something out the bag. He'd done it at Pitodre, he'd done it against St Mirren. He's still got that mentality, he's still got that, that captain's role. Um, so is it just a case then, James, of going back to the comments that Ange made whereby his, his levels are so high all the time, you can allow him a couple of games or a couple of bad passes? Yeah, when you're so consistent as well, he's been consistently high quality for about four or five years now, maybe even more. I might be sort of underrating him there just by saying that. When you're that consistent, poor performances stand out even more, even when they're not a disastrous performance, a 5 out of 10 performance will still stand out like an eyesore mm-hmm. amongst Cal McGregor's sort of Celtic record. But it's fair to say he has been poor the last two games, the Rangers game especially. I know that's a game we've put to the back of our minds now, but he was he was really poor in that game. I thought, as he mentioned, Rio Atati, he was pretty poor as well. I don't think he's been poor in every single game since he came back from his injury. I thought he was the best player in the park when he won the league at Hearts. I thought Atati was phenomenal then, but yeah, the games where McGregor plays poor, they stand out even more. But yeah. how good of a servant he's been to the club and how good of a servant he will be for the future, he will go on to be one of the most successful players, if not the most successful player in Celtic history. And I hope he can be part of the a good European stride next season as well. I was um, also seeing a, a stat, one that I would need to double and treble check, Brian, that if he wins the, the treble this season... He's won more trebles than anybody else in world football. Um, the, is that a stat? That would be what he's. That would be his. His, uh, his fifth. Is that right? Well, I think so. Yeah, eight's the record for the world record for trebles, isn't it? Yeah, for the team. Finals, so yeah, you've got to assume that would be the. Wow. I think interesting. It's interesting you talk about McGregor, and I think James James makes a good point there. And it, about, you know, McGregor plays at such a high level all the time that when it drops off, it seems worse. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think that's kind of indicative of Angie's team. You think we're so consistent and play so flashy and so well at times. When it is a bit of a drop-off, it seems worse. You know, it's, it sort of seems like it's it's a massive drop because the standards are usually so high. Um, and I, I say, I, I agree, I think. It was poor in the first half, but, and this is a key, this is a key thing that I'm always ranting and raving about, is it's that winning mentality? Because McGregor, if he he drove the team on, even though he was in a poor game, he still he never hid. He still kept asking for the ball. Mm-hmm. Second half, he picked up a lot better. He was more commanding. 
he obviously got the equaliser. And I thought he spoke well at the end. They said he, he was annoyed at the performance. You know, it wasn't frustration, it wasn't disappointment, he was annoyed at it because of those standards. Yeah. I quite like that. I, I think sometimes when you know players with such a strong mentality, even though they're having a bad game, can still pull something out of the bag. It's just ha- just so happened to be against St Man against Rangers, most of the team was having a shocker really. Um, I know Starfield gets it a lot, but I thought he was really poor against St Mirren. I thought Iwata was kind of hung out to dry a bit, if I'm honest. I thought, you know, given the fact he was put in the centre half and it was his not natural position, and I don't think the rest of the team helped him much. Um, Liam might be better talking about this more than me, but I was a bit disappointed uh, Kobayashi got dropped. I didn't, I didn't feel like it merited him being dropped and Starfield retaining his place just to put Iwata in. I thought that was a kind of confusing mistake. I just don't really see why he did that. I don't think mm. it's going to help his confidence at 22 for that to happen, especially when, you know, everyone was pretty bad. Um, yeah. Again, this this isn't saying suddenly this is a bad team. I think it's just the drop-off. Because at the end, it was only a draw. We didn't get beat. But I think, generally speaking, we're so used to playing that, as, uh, as Don Haggerty used to say, the rip-roaring, free-scoring, never-boring style. The Don. I was looking at some quotes from another one of your friends, Brian, not the Don Haggerty, but uh, the Don O'Neill, Martin O'Neill, you and, and Martin got on like a house on fire to you such a degree Martin. that we had to try and separate is because you were hogging him and uh, he was ruffling your hair and you were enjoying a wee glass of the red and all that. It was great to see. But uh, if you go back, cast your mind back actually to uh, 2003-04 where we were preparing to play Dunfermline in the Scottish Cup final. And that, that would have been, that became, and we knew it was going to be Henrik Larson's final game, the more competitive game, um, as it turned out. And, you know, there was a period of time there where we had won the league and we had the Scottish Cup coming up and it was the same old chat about running for, for different uh, records and all this kind of stuff. And there was a there was a, a, a noticeable drop. Can you remember, Liam? There was a notice, noticeable drop mm-hmm. in the tempo and in the performances in Martin O'Neill's team. So you've got two managers there in O'Neill, and Ange with incredible standards, really, really high levels. And it happened then. That's what happens, you know. We've won the league, you know, it's in the bag, and the and the levels dropped back then, and they've dropped this season as well. There's no denying it, it you know. And whether or not there's anything you can do about that is another matter. What was then um, the concern back then was that uh, we could get back up for the cup final. Well, of course you get up for a cup final because every time we've got to get up for a game, Liam, we do. We know we've won the important games, and that that really is what we need to focus on. The last two weeks have really reminded me of one game in particular, and uh, apologies for the, the name I'm about to drop here, but uh, I I was uh, my dad and I were invited to be Brian Dempsey's guests at a, a game just after Celtic won the league back in 2001, and uh, you know you think we've just won the league, we're about to go to the cup final, win a treble. I might go out and get gubbed 2-0 at home by Dundee. (laughs) All I'll say is thanks a lot, Brian. I'm glad the bevy was free that day because I certainly needed it. Um, I thought you were going to say something much worse than Brian (laughs) Dempsey. No, 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 no. But um, no, it was a lovely day out though. It really was. It was was, was good of of Brian to invite us out. But um, no, it was, uh, you know, it just showed that when I watched the, the games of the last two weeks, that is exactly where my mind went. It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, 
that was like that that game against Dundee where we just league was in the bag. We were getting ready for a cup final, and mentally, the players obviously had half half of their gaze on Hamden and not on the game where they should have been playing. So, um, and just to touch on on Brian's point about Kobayashi, um, what I would say there are a couple of things with this, um, which I uh, know I'm not going to, I'm not, you know, I'm in no place to criticise Ange. The reason why he's the Celtic manager, and I'm I'm some numpty in Japan, right? But he um. If he's if the reasoning behind dropping Kobayashi was to give him the psychological kick up the backside of losing his place, um, that's not how the Japanese psyche works. That's not going that's not gonna have the desired effect. Because over here, players get rotated in and out routinely and they are taught that you earn your place in that team and even after you've earned it, you don't necessarily keep it. Mm-hmm. Which is why, for example, when Maeda first signed he was in and out of the team, but you didn't hear any complaints from him because it was the same when he was playing elsewhere. He knew that that, that berth has to be earned, and when he first arrived at Celtic in his eyes, he hadn't earned it yet. Um, Kobayashi is now in the same spot. So I and I agree with Brian that you can't to drop Kobayashi and not drop Starfield when I think they were both equally culpable. Um, in the, the game against the uh, against the the mob across town, um, I really do think that uh, it was a bit unfair from looking at from an outsider's point of view. But we don't know what's happening in training. Kobayashi might be feeling a bit psychologically down after that game. He might be feeling physically tired. They might have got roughed up a bit more than we saw on TV. Um, and Ange maybe just said to him, "Look, son, just take a step back and work on your training for a bit more. Then we'll." We'll put you back in the team when you're ready. Um, I mean, I fully expect Kobayashi to play the next game because it's quite clear Iwata is not a centre half, right? And mm-hmm. that's no no fault of his own, but he's just it's not it's no comfortable for him, and it clearly unsettled Tony Ralston as well playing alongside him because yeah. the two of them were absolutely shocking at the weekend. Um, but I know that Iwata is a class act. I've seen enough of him to know that he could in time become. As val and I'm, you know, I'm going to say this, he could become as valuable to the team as Callum McGregor is now, in the fullness of time. Um, especially if he ends up playing alongside McGregor in the midfield holding role in Europe next season. Yeah. Um, so really, the the Kobayashi one's a bit of a mystery to me, but I'm sure there is a perfectly reasonable behind the scenes explanation to it. And to be quite honest, I'm glad that we don't know because it's nobody's business, but but the managers and Yuki Kobayashi's. Um, I was I was going to ask before go, going on to James on that point, Liam, right? Because of your knowledge of Japanese football, um, it's been mentioned by Ange that Awata has played there previously uh, in Japan. Was he deemed a decent enough centre-half when he played over in Japan? Or, I mean, I rate him. For what I've seen, I really regard him highly as a midfielder. But uh, was it just an off day or have you seen enough to suggest, listen, don't play him there? Um. It's definitely not his strongest position, right? It's definitely not his strongest position. Um, but bear in mind that in Japan, all players are trained to play multiple positions, mm-hmm. right? You know, Hatate played about four months at left back before we signed him as a creative midfielder, right? Um, Maeda was a target man when he played for Matsumoto Yamaga, right? Um, uh, Kyogo played as a winger, quite often when he was playing for Vissel Kobe. So 
just because a player has played a couple of games in another position doesn't mean he's going to step into the self-team and be able to do it effectively. Um, the other thing is the physical aspect. In Japan, you know, I don't mean to generalise, but most strikers are Kyogo's size, they're not Curtis Main's size, you know. <laughs> so it's um, it's a wee bit of a different a different ball game, uh, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. But I really do, I, 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 I don't think that he is the answer at centre-back. You know, it reminded me a lot of Nier Beaton. Can't fault his effort, can't fault his commitment to the cause, but it's clearly not where he should be playing. I know, and sometimes when you're beat on, he would lead you into a false sense of thinking, actually, he's not a bad centre-half, and then invariably he would lose a header on a corner and maybe a goal down. James, I'm going to ask you the question because we'll, we'll go through the positions in relation to the jerseys that are up for grabs, and then once we've spoken about the centre-halves here, we'll have a wee chat about uh, where we see the positions that that might still be up for grabs in the defensive areas. My kind of take on it at the weekend was this. I think Kobayashi hasn't been great against Hearts or Rangers. I think that uh, he was kind of out-muscled in both games. Uh, And I'm not pointing my finger just at him because there was a lot of bad performances at Ibrox. And I think that what Ange was doing at the weekend, and as Liam says, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. He was having a look at his only other centre-half option, just in case in the next couple of games before the cup final, something happens with Kobayashi. So he, he wanted to have a look at Iwata at centre-half. And I know that he would have seen him playing there um, and over in Japan. But I just think, for me, that was his thinking behind it. We don't have Stephen Welsh. He's not on the bench. He's he's out injured, by all accounts. Uh, you're not going to bring in Lawal. I said this yesterday. Um, I know that he's been highly rated, etc. But from what I've seen, I don't think that that he's ready for that step up, especially not in a Scottish Cup final. So what he's done there is he's played a water, even though it's his kind of secondary position, James. He's played on there just to say, you know, if I need to do it in the Cup final, at least it's not the first time you've played there for Celtic. Um, what's your take on it? And do you still think there is a centre-half jersey up for grabs or do you think it's Starfelt and Kobayashi all day long? I think it will probably be Starfelt and Kobayashi. As much as I thought Kobe actually looked really shaky in two consecutive games, Hearts and Rangers, he was absolutely bullied by John Suter at the set piece. I thought Iwata had a really poor game. I had a wee gander at Transfermarkt, that wonderful website, before when the, the team lineup was announced for the St Mirren game, when I saw Iwata at centre-back. Apparently about three-quarters of his minutes as a professional footballer has been as a centre-back. So I was surprised to see when I watched the game he looked exactly like a defensive midfielder playing at centre-back. He was caught mm-hmm. in position time and time again, as well as being bullied by Curtis Main the entire game. Curtis Main was targeting him for a reason. There's a reason Curtis Main could have had about three or four goals in that game, because Timoke Wattie had such a poor performance. But Starfelt has been poor as well. Since we won the league, Starfelt has been pretty poor, but you can't drop Starfelt. You can't for this final coming up. But just on the final, I think Celtic... I've proved time and time again in the big games, the games mm-hmm. that matter, the games where everything's on the line, we step up. We step up to a new level. And we've dropped off at the moment for these last two games, but I have no doubts that the standards are going to raise and we'll see the Celtic that we've come to know and love <coughs> under Ange in that game against Inverness. So I've got no sort of worries about it at all. Hopefully we can put on a show this upcoming weekend. We always do when we win the title. It's always a real sort of show, a real hammer. And apart from that, one that lost to Aberdeen under Rodgers, that's one that sort of sticks out. 
But if we, if we can put in a show for the fans, lift the title, all the morale's boosted, and then we go into the final with our heads high. Was that the day when Shea Logan was acting like he'd won the World Cup? Yeah, I remember yeah, that. <laughs> Talking of World Cups, the reason I was looking at the comments by O'Neill at that time was that he was in talks at that stage to try and sign Rivaldo. Talking to another World Cup winner, Rivaldo for Celtic as a replacement for Larson. That all sounds a bit bizarre, but it did indeed happen. Um, so let's talk then about that defence. Brian, I'll come to you next. Um, the boys are saying Kobayashi and Starfield. I agree with that. Joe Hart, you don't drop him for a cup final. Uh, what about the, the two fullbacks then? Because there's still a suggestion that Johnson might be back. But my point yesterday was, um, even though I think Johnson's a far better option at right back, Brian, I don't like throwing somebody in that's been out injured. And I think we've been stung a few times this season by trying to rush players back into the side. So even if Johnson's fit for the final, I'm not sure I would start him. Um, give me a wee chat about the way that you would set up your back five because I think we're all in agreement the core of that the central area that stays as it is there's a question mark about the fitness of Taylor he's been managed at the moment but when it comes to Ralston and I agree with you I don't think he's been at his best I would still be really reluctant to throw somebody back in if they're fit for the final Yeah I kind of agree I think so just as I, broadly speaking although we've been kind of critical of the team's performance the past couple of uh, games I think when there is a game to win, when there is pressure on, the team's stronger. So I've no doubts in the final will be better than we've been because there's something there. Yeah. I think the team's got that mentality and I think we, the fact we've won the league, I think it's sort of, it's almost that sort of sigh, that relief and that's caused a bit of the performance. Um, and I think when you talk about mentality, I think Ralston's really got that. And I think it'd be harsh to drop him. I know he didn't have the greatest game, but he's been out for a long time as well. And again, he was next to a kind of makeshift back four. Um, so I would have Ralston. Yeah, you need to start out in Kobayashi for balance. Taylor, if, if he needs a wee rest, I would drop him for the next two games and then bring him back in. Because I think he's he's really key. I still like Bernabe. I think he's got a huge ceiling, but he's quite raw. And he's a wee bit rash. And you don't need that in the cup final. Um, but what I would do... I don't think this will happen, but what I would do is I'd play Iwata again in front of them with McGregor and O'Reilly, or McGregor and Hitati, whoever's um, performing well in training, because I just think the defence is a wee bit vulnerable just now, as we've said, confidence is going to be low. Inverness will try and just throw balls up. So if you get Iwata dropping back a little bit when the full-backs are bombing up, you turn it into a solid back three if you need to, just to, just to get him to help you know, sort of sweep up because I think Iwata's better defensively than McGregor will be. Now, normally I would say against Inverness, without any disrespect to Inverness, you would need that extra holding player in there. Mm-hmm. But I just think with the defence being a wee bit vulnerable and, and a wee bit sort of, maybe confidence isn't great, I would have Iwata there just a bit of protection. Um, the only downside for that is you need to drop either Hitati or O'Reilly because mm-hmm. um, I don't think I'd drop McGregor. And then the front three picks itself, I think, Jota, Maeda and Hugo. Well, I'm very critical of Maeda, and I think it's great off the ball. I don't think it's brilliant on the ball. I still think what he gives the team, especially in that environment, is is it's hard to drop him. And he really defends so well for the front, so you would have to play him. Brian's given us his start in 11, Liam. He's starting 11. Mm-hmm. And by the way, going back to what you said earlier, I think Awat is uh, an exceptional player. I just think he, he looked like a guy 
who was playing at a position at the weekend, I thought that when he came on, and I've said this numerous times against Rangers when we won 3-2, he was pivotal. He was massive in us regaining control of that game. Um, when we're looking towards the cup final, and I know we've got Hibs tomorrow night, which we'll be talking about as well. What what do we do for that in terms of the Ralston situation? Because um, yesterday I mentioned about, you know, Ralston was flying and then he got this injury and he's not right back up to that level that he was at before. Um, I think we've seen a bit of the Ralston of old against St Mirren at the weekend there where he was ponderous, the passing wasn't on, on point. Um, he wasn't winning as many duels. He's one of the guys that you would expect to be winning most of the duels, especially when the chips are down. And it didn't seem to happen for him. Um, there's there's talk that Moy and Johnston are going to win their fitness battle for the cup final. That concerns me a wee bit though, Liam. I think if that mm. happens, you bench them. You don't throw them right into the starting 11. Aye, if it's a choice between uh, 60 to 75% fit Johnston and 100% fit Ralston, you go with Ralston. Because at the end of the day, you shouldn't be in the Celtic squad if you're not good enough to be deployed in a game against Inverness with the greatest of respect to them. Um, you know, we should not have any qualms with putting any first team squad member into that game if need be. Um, we all have, they all have at least that base level quality. Yeah. You know, from, from Scott Bain onwards, you know, Scott Bain is the sort of player who. Is he going to be a European-level goalkeeper? No, he isn't. And he's old enough now that he never will be, with the greatest of respect to him. But he's good enough for pretty much any game in Scotland. So, again, that's a guy you shouldn't be afraid of if you had to... No, that's, you know, obviously Joe Hart's going to play, but I'm, I'm just using him as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to throw a wild one out here. Could there be the option of going to a back three? Because we know Kobayashi is more naturally left-sided. Starfelt works best when he's at the right at the right of centre or centre. And Ralston's got the physical presence that you could pull him in and have him as a right-sided centre-back. So how about if we had, say, uh, Taylor, wide, a wing-back on the left, and then you had Kobayashi inside left centre-back, Starfelt as a centre-back, Ralston as the right-sided centre-back, and then you can deploy possibly, if you want to be more attacking, possibly apply a, and deploy a badder wide right. And then you still keep that midfield three of McGregor, uh, Hatate, and potentially O'Reilly. But you've also got the option of putting Iwata in there if you want a bit more steel, or you can put Moy in there if he's fit, because at the moment, if Moy is fully fit, for me, he starts ahead of O'Reilly or Iwata. Interesting shape there. I mean, the, the big thing about the cup final, have I seen any big changes, Liam? I would be pretty worried. That That's what starts yeah. to get me worried. When I see changes in the team, like against Rangers, I'm looking at that thinking, oh, no, man, you know, I was pretty confident coming into this game, but now with the changes, I'm not so sure. Um that, that's the only thing that would concern me, that, that he's not really done that before. If he was going to do it, and you know, I don't, th- I don't think he will now, but if he was going to do it, you, he would probably try something like that in the next couple of league games. Mm-hmm. Because, like, like you say, you don't go into a cup final and decide to experiment, right? If, he, if he's going to do it, he would, if he's going to play a back three, he would try it out in one of the, one of the remaining league games. Um, but So if it doesn't happen, 
tomorrow, if it doesn't happen against Aberdeen, it's not going to happen. Yeah, well, before we, we go any further about the, the fixture tomorrow night uh, and also some of the other jerseys that may be up for grabs, Liam, I want to talk to you specifically about our uh, visit to Japan. I've had plenty mm. of people saying that um, they want to get in touch with you uh, so that you can tell them where all the hostelries, etc., are going to be uh, and all that kind of stuff. With your local knowledge, obviously, you're the man on the <laughs> you're the man on the deck. You know what's going on. You've got the finger on the pulse. Uh, but uh, obviously, more and more information is coming out in relation to the pricing and the ticketing. Give us a wee update mm. on your thoughts because I, I understand you're not very happy with the pricing. No, um, to be quite honest, the pricing is, for want of a better word, ridiculous. Um, now, to put this into perspective, um, I'll use the context of two other games that I've been to fairly recently, right? Um, last time I was at a big sort of international football match in Japan was 2019, just before COVID hit, um, August 2019, when Ange was still manager of Yokohama, I saw them play Man City. Now, my ticket for that game, which was, um, which was admittedly the cheapest ticket, was 5,000 yen, which is, I think, about 20 quid, roughly speaking, 20, 25 quid. Um, so, you know, pretty much par for the course. Now, if you're going to, if you're going to a J-League game, the cheapest ticket is 2,500 yen, going up to 10,000 yen for the dearest ticket. Now, 10,000 yen is about 80 quid, 80, 90 quid. Um, whereas with the Celtic game, now I'm going with my, with my lovely wife, and if 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 Caio and I want to sit together, we had to get the, the, the sort of the category three tickets because the category four is like open seat and basically sit wherever you want. Now that's fine when I was going to the Man City game. I didn't mind sitting myself. But if I'm with some, when I'm with my my wife, obviously I want to be sitting together. So we had to pay extra for that. So they were nine and a half thousand yen for the cheapest. So basically, the cheapest option for this game was almost double the price of the cheapest option for the Man City game. Mm-hmm. But it gets worse because the, the you then go up to the next the next grade up was I think fourteen thousand, then eighteen thousand, and up to thirty thousand yen just for the match ticket. That's not any hospitality because it actually says on the site hospitality details will be released at a later date. So you're talking about, I think. 200 quid just for a match ticket. Wow. For a single match ticket. No executive stuff, no corporate, not even a free pint before the game. Um, Now, I know exactly where Celtic have got that pricing structure from because a couple of years ago, um, Barcelona played Chelsea in a pre-season friendly and the pricing structure was identical. Right. And I was going to go to that game because I, you know, I thought, when am I ever going to get to see Messi in the flesh, right? But um, one, I didn't want to give those scumbags Chelsea any money, and two, um, the the ticket and the ticket pricing was just ridiculous. And I thought I don't want to encourage that. I, I don't want to think clubs can come, clubs to think it's acceptable to come over here and charge two hundred quid a ticket because they think Japanese fans don't know any better. Mm-hmm. Your dearest ticket in the J League is about seventy-five quid, and that is your premium level seat, right? That's like your sort of a the equivalent of what's sitting in the padded seats in the North Stand at Celtic Park. It's that kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, 
the for Celtic to use the same pricing structure as a team that included Lionel Messi is just right. We've got we have fans in Japan because we have a few Japanese players, right? But you don't you don't charge more Shandong prices for Buckfast, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the key um, the key would be fill the stadium out. It's all about getting the word out there um, so that they come and see Celtic and they're introduced to Celtic. We spoke about it the other week, Liam. The, yeah. un- the introduction to this football club. Um, yeah. The link being the fact that, yes, we do have some Japanese players. We've got Ange who's managed in uh, Japan. Come along and see it and make it as affordable as possible so that the stadium's as full as it can be. Um, well, that's what the do thing. You... Man City did that. Man City did that and it was a sellout. Mm-hmm. Right? What do you foresee and... in terms of the attendance then, Liam? What, what do you reckon it will be? Well, put it this way, we had no trouble getting our tickets and I was quite late to get in the queue for the tickets to get the because I couldn't put down the deposit until I get paid. I didn't get paid till a week after the, 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 the initial thing went out. But I got the confirmation email today that we had got our first preference for seating area. So we're in the Celtic end and we're in the, the, the reserved seating. Um, but you know, so that tells me that this game has nowhere near sold out, and it's unlikely to do so at these prices. Because, you know, one of the things which, and I keep going back to it, one of the things that really annoyed me about that Chelsea Barcelona game was I teach young kids, right, in my job, and a lot of them, because we don't really have uniforms here the same way we do at school in Scotland. Wayne's will come to school wearing their football tops, right? I go to school wearing my football tops as well, right? It's a thing we do. And the amount of Wayne's that had like Barcelona and Chelsea shirts, and when that game first got announced, they were so excited. You know, Saitama, where that game was played, is a, a it's a day trip away from here, right? It's a good, you know, hour and a half on the train. So you're looking at about 100 quid ahead to get there and back. And then um, on top of that, you've then got the ticket prices. And the amount of wanes that I saw initially being so excited about going to see Messi, and a couple of days later they, they just went silent. And I thought, those poor wanes. Obviously their dads have told them, look, son, I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's just heartbreaking to think there could be a whole generation of potential new Celtic fans who are going to be alienated by the pricing for this game. I'm lucky. I work full-time. I can afford to pay, you know, Basically, a hundred quid for plus a hotel for the for me and my wife to go to a game, right? I can afford that, but a lot of people in Japan can't, and a lot of people in Japan are not expecting to pay that for a football match. No. They expect to pay that to go and see Queen or Pavarotti or something. They don't expect to pay that to watch Celtic. That's a shame. It's a shame because, as I say, we, we were quite excited as well about getting the club over there and to uh, tap into a new fan base. And unfortunately, it looks as though. The greed has won the day. James, uh, we're talking the upcoming cup final, of course, but we're not going to jump in the gun. There's a couple of games before that. Hopefully you'll get to the game tomorrow night. Um, what does Ange do tomorrow then uh, in relation to the team? Does he try anything else out? Because he's obviously he's spoken about you know rotating certain players, getting players game time. Does he keep doing that for the next couple of games? I think Hibs have still got a lot to fight for. They have that third place spot. Just, they took a big hit. And they were pushed for third place when they lost to Rangers at the weekend. So it's going to be a team that have really got something to play for, which St Mirren didn't really have last week. St Mirren were the low, sort of lowest team in the championship group. So you can't really take it for granted. If you want to get the win, I feel like you want to go the closest team possible to what Ange 
is thinking of for the Scottish Cup final. I feel like that's sort of got to be the thinking behind it. You've got to go full strength and then whichever of these rotation players, because we've been talking about these games, they don't really mean much. To these fringe players who haven't really had an opportunity and now they're getting their opportunity, these games should mean everything. And they're coming into these games and they're not performing. And chances yeah. are when these leave Celtic, they'll be spouting the whole, I didn't get an opportunity, I didn't get a chance, you didn't get a chance and you were poor. I hope it's not going to be the case for them, but they really need to step up a lot of these players. And you were talking about Ralston earlier, between Ralston and Johnson. I'm going to be lighting every candle I have in this flat and saying all the prayers I can that Alistair Johnson will be fit <laughs> for that Scottish Cup final. I would take a 50% Alistair Johnson over 100% Anthony Ralston at this moment because Ralston has been shocking. I thought he was the worst fullback on the pitch at Ibrox, and we all know how bad Burnaby was on that day. And I think since Johnson came in, he's been one of our best players, if not the best player since January in this Celtic team. You can't take for granted what Aston Johnson has done, how well he has embedded himself as well. And I think he would deal with being chucked into a game like a Scottish Cup final against Inverness at 70% just fine. Because we saw how he done not fully fit on his debut at Ibrox. He took to the cauldron fire very easily and he was mm. phenomenal on that day. We all saw how good it was and he laid down the foundations for what he was going to do in his future at Celtic. So I would have Alistair Johnston in the team and I'll be saying all the prayers I can that he will be there for the Scottish Cup final. <laughs> when it comes down to it um, as well, he's, he's spoken about it, Brian. Uh, Ange Postacoglu has spoken about the fact and he's, he's name-checked Alistair Johnston being thrown in to a situation. Will that be on his mind, do you think, when he's making these plans for the Cup final? The fact that Johnston seems to be up for that type of challenge? Possibly, yeah. I mean, I think I think he likes players with that sort of strength of character, doesn't he? It's, it's something that you know it seems to be one of his, his sort of his biggest reasons for picking players and, and signing them in the first place is that sort of as I keep saying it, the, the winning mentality. But I think in terms of tomorrow against Hibs, I think if there's any rotation, tomorrow will be the last time. And I think against Aberdeen, you probably see the team that's mm-hmm. likely playing the the final. So I'd imagine if there is any rotation or if there is players like like Haxibanovic or Bernabe or any of these guys come in tomorrow, it's the last chance to prove and give the manager a, a you know something to think about. Um on Haxibanovic, I, you know, Liam was talking about crazy ideas earlier, he's 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 mad cat formation, but I think uh Haxibanovic playing in midfield might be a shout if he does go with a double pivot with a, a Wata McGregor. And you could have Haksavanovic behind Kyogo if that was, you know, if you wanted to change it up. But I suspect, as I said, the, the team there, I suspect that the team that plays in the final. So I think you probably see them against Aberdeen, but tomorrow I would imagine there'll be changes because that'd be sort of last chance to learn for people to say, right, you know, if they're a couple of bad games, last chance to, to, to stake a claim. If you can't, the team that plays Aberdeen, that's just playing. I, I'd imagine that's what it would do. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk a wee bit more about Easter Road, but the, the thing that I would like to see is Kobayashi coming back in for obvious reasons, um, and then Iwata getting a start in the midfield, because I do think that, as Liam says, since Atati's come back from his injury, he's been nowhere near the level uh, that we're expecting of Hatati due to his brilliant performances previously. O'Reilly, I think, has been all right. I think O'Reilly, at this moment in time, is a starter and McGregor is a starter every day of the week. But I, I do think there's a question mark over Atati simply because of his sharpness. Um, we know what he can do. 
Um, but again, you know, if you bring in a water for the cup final, I would only be playing with one defensive midfielder, so it would give uh, McGregor a wee bit of freedom as well. Keen to get your thoughts on all of that and more on the YouTube Celtic follower afternoon. All we'd like to see a water starting every remaining game in midfield. Listen, you're reading my thoughts here to help cover defence. Hatati hasn't looked fully fit. And, and by the way, I, I'm not stealing your point, but I just made this point. So we are in agreement. Somebody out there does agree with me. Um, I'd also give Owen Kugel 45 minutes each game uh, to keep them to keep them sharp. We were talking again on the blog in relation to Kyogo going for a, a personal accolade. He's already won some this season, but only four players in the last 20 years, Liam, have scored 32 or more goals for Celtic. The bold Kyogo is sitting on 31. He's got three games to go. How far can he take it? Can he go as high as 35? Is he going to reach the uh, 32 that Dembele did and Chris Commons did? Obviously, the 40 that uh, the 40 plus that Griffiths and Larson reached is uh, too far removed, I would suggest. But it looks as though he's going to enter the realms of that elite, doesn't it? Uh, I'll predict that he's going to finish up on 36. I think he'll get two or three goals over the next couple of league games, and I could see him doing the same in the cup final. Nice. I like that level of confidence and positivity. We know that he <laughs> likes a double in a cup final, though. So mm. who, who would bet against it? Uh, who would bet against that, indeed? And Kevin Malley, strange one why Seagrist hasn't featured much. There's a few people talking about it. He's been fit since March, and he's not been in the squad. And I think that uh, also is one of the reasons that Bain has been given a contract. You can just imagine Ange being impressed with his attitude. Uh, talking of attitude, I thought uh, there was a, a bullish kind of attitude with Ange after the game coming out, talking about heavyweight champions of the world. But I thought that was important, Liam, because the narrative, I mean, it's probably the most... Narrative and caveat are the two most used words on Axon, right? But the press narrative, uh, I was reading this morning about a Beal revolution, a real revolution, incredible stuff, right? And we've obviously uh, already, they've already been awarded with the Kenny Miller Cup this week as well. And uh, the other thing that I'm looking at is the way that all of a sudden it's broken Celtic crest because we've drawn two league games and lost it, a meaningless game at Ibrox. Um, so I felt that it was important that Ange came out swinging and swinging he certainly did. And I thought he, he, he absolutely knocked out the park with his comments. When, when is the uh, the can? Well, I played one and a half good games for Rangers DVD coming out. That's what I want, you know. Yeah. But um, no, the the uh, An Ange takes no prisoners, and I hope that long may that continue. Um, I uh, I just love the big man's style. He just takes no nonsense from these clowns, and he puts them right in their place every time, and it's an absolute joy to watch. Um, I really um, I think that Ange. Has, was exactly right with what he said. Um, you know, there's a reason why we are on the cusp of winning all three trophies this season. And remember, you know, until until seven years ago, that had only happened three times in Celtic's history. Incredible. So it's an amazing. It's it's it, even with our current level of dominance, both financial and footballing, it's still incredibly hard to win a treble. Mm. When you look at the funny money Man City have got, I don't think they've ever done it. You know, um, you look at the financial gulf. And, I mean, Rosenberg in Norway, I think at one point they won the league 11 years in a row. And I don't know if they might have won two, three, three trebles in that time. 
Um, Bayern Munich in Germany, they've been similarly dominant. I don't think they've won that many trebles. It's an incredibly hard thing to do. Yeah. And Ange was very, very was spot on to hammer that point home and say, wait a minute here, right? You know, to <laughs> a defeat and a draw out of a near flawless season up up to this point is just you're, you know, you're like you say, you're you're, you're peering so hard to try and find a narrative in that, and it's mm. just it, it really is pathetic. And well, we don't have journalists in Scotland; we have stenographers. They are Ibrooks paid, bought and paid stenographers. They're no journalists. Let, let's be honest. Well, one of the it was a small example, but one of the examples of that that I've seen recently, Liam, was the story they ran on young Philip Scorp, who, as we know, signed for Celtic last week, and they ran a story uh, of how close he was to signing for Rangers, how close mm. Rangers were to winning the race, and obviously all the names of all the other clubs followed that story, and and the way that it was written was, you know, he was being spoken of in the same breath as the first team players. The young guy's 15 years of age. Now, I can guarantee you that he was nowhere near signing for Rangers. He was absolutely nowhere near signing for Rangers. It was almost as if the email that was sent over to the record uh, sports desk was copied, pasted, and changed a wee bit. But that story was a non-story. Thinking about that, right, um, in Scottish journalistic terms, Rangers are the equivalent of, and I'm sure we've all experienced this, that drunk halfwit in the bar who sits there for three hours telling you how he could have been a contender before the barman <laughs> throws him out for being stupid. That is what Rangers are now. It's the we could have been contenders. That's that's all they are. And the media are playing it up because at the end of the day, they still have to sell newspapers. And quite frankly, Rangers fans are the only people in this country still thick enough to read the Daily Record. So there you go. Well, the, the revolution continues. Uh, the revolution uh, will be televised as well, as a great man once said. Uh, what did you make of the comments, James? Obviously, the um, the, the boxing references uh, really touched, uh, pushed the buttons, didn't it? But he was right because I think it was a it was a reminder not only to um, the, the press who who were talking to him. It was a reminder to us as fans that that what Liam said is true. It's so difficult to do that and win a treble. We've seen at Ibrox, you can have an off day, right? We've also seen um, other situations where refereeing decisions go against you, you have a bad injury to a player in a key moment of the game. All these things can can go against you and that can stop you from winning a treble if that happens in a cup. I mean, you can recover from that in the league generally. Um, and he was just pinpointing the fact that, wait a minute, what we've done has been a sensational effort and, and the levels these guys have maintained over that period has been kind of off the scale. Um, but it was also to say to them, you know, I'll control the narrative here. So it was a double whammy. But at the same time, he's, he's talking to his players, isn't he, James? He's talking to his players when he puts that out there. And he's telling his players, listen, this is what we've achieved. Don't let a couple of results take your focus away from that. Yeah, I feel like it was really a message to the fans because we're the ones who have the connection with the club more than anyone. We we are emotional, we are reactionary to however we are because we care about the club. And whenever Celtic lose or drop points or whatever happens, the fans are always there's always going to be an overreaction. So I think Andrew's speaking directly to the fans there, just calm down, calm down a bit here. These games they don't really mean anything. We've come so far and we've got a chance to win a treble ahead of us. It's we're, there's going to be a few games where there'll be an off day and thankfully they've come 
after the league title has been wrapped up. So I think it, it was good for Manchester to get that out there in this post-match interview. Yeah, I'm going to um, recite the team. I think Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, that you, that you said earlier, um, and then I'll ask yourself, Liam and, and James, if you disagree with that. So Joe Hart and goals. We're talking strongest starting eleven. The eleven you expect to see in the cup final with um, right back Tony Ralston, left back Greg Taylor, two centre halves would be um, Starfield and Kobayashi. Your midfield was made up, I think, of McGregor and Hatate and O'Reilly. Is that right? Iwata. Um, O'Reilly and McGregor and McGregor and then up top you've got Maeda Kyogo and Jota I'll come to you first Liam do you agree with Brian's starting lineup? is there anybody else you would uh, replace in there? Uh, no 100% agree with that I'm, I'm quite happy with that the only possible one is I could maybe see Abada getting some game time whether that means coming on as a sub in the second half or actually starting the game I don't know but I think you're going to want to have him sharp for the cup final. So Abad is going to have to get some game time over the next couple of weeks. And it might well be that he starts tomorrow, maybe at the expense of Jota. But, you know, if he starts the game, Jota comes on in the second half or vice versa. I think they're both going to get some game time tomorrow. I get the feeling, James, I'll come to you finally. I do get the feeling that uh, Brian's team, if you remove a Wata and bring in a Tati, I get... I get the sense that um, Ange is allowing Hatati to play through this to get him right back up to the kind of peak fitness so that he probably peaks in the cup final. Um, so that's the only change I would make a water as much as I love him for Hatati. What about yourself? Yeah, I think Hatati has to play one of the games coming up before the end of the season, whether it's this game or the last day. I would, I would, I would like to see Iwata get another bit of game time in the defensive midfield role. So I'd probably agree with Brian's team there. Nice. Right, we'll be back tomorrow to talk uh, pre-match the Hibs game and obviously we'll be covering the Hibs game as well. I've got to thank everybody, as always, for getting involved. Over 600 strong on a Tuesday bulletin. Um, if you want to come along and see us live, we are in Gracie's in Glasgow on Friday night. It's the beginning of Trophy Weekend and we'll be joined by Jackie McNamara. Let's not forget what he achieved for the club as well. Jackie's always a great crack and quite a few of the Axon team will be there. I'll be interviewing Jackie on stage and it would be brilliant to see some of you there. 25 tickets left at the last count. So if you want to buy one, the link is underneath this video. Uh, all that's left for me to say, Liam Carrigan, James McKenzie and Brian Degden, thank you once again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.